The Eagle and Child, Episode 27. The Mailbag Episode, Part 1. Hello, and welcome to The Eagle and Child, the hallowed pub of the Inklings. This is a podcast where each week, my friend Matt and I share a beer, and we discuss the writings of the author known to the world as Clive Staples Lewis, or C.S. Lewis, or just as Jack to his friends. My name is David, and today's episode is going to be a little out of the ordinary. Today, I'm going to be reading some of the mail that you guys have sent in, and, as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt. This episode will give us a really good chance to express how grateful we are. I mean, for the feedback from the listeners, between the comments that are sent in, the ratings that we've received in iTunes, the comments that I receive in person, and I know you do with just people around us that listen to it. And all of the ones that I send to you, because Matt isn't on any social media. So (laughs) basically, when I get a great message, I'll take a screenshot and send it on to him. So we always end up talking about the messages that you guys have sent us. And it's overwhelming. I mean, when you do something like this, you don't actually expect people to necessarily enjoy (laughs) it or commit 30 minutes of their week to listening to you. And so it's awesome to be able to receive this feedback. My mother expects everybody to listen. Uh, You know, I love to. You know what? Actually, it's funny you say that. My my mother barely listens to this. I kid you not. She, after, I think we were probably in episode 20, she goes, I just started listening to a couple on runs. I think I've gotten through three of yours. I'm like, Mom, I've had people binge listen to this, and you're on episode three, and we've done like 25 of these. Come on, Mrs. Bush. I know. Uh, but what, what I love about this is C.S. Lewis was really big about always responding to letters that mm-hmm. people sent to him. He, he, I think, I don't want to say this was a saying of his, but he had a belief that if you take the time to write a letter... I should respond to it, yeah. or at least try to. I love how today with modern technology, we can just do this very efficiently. <laughs> Read a bunch of these, and then we've responded to a ton of them. Uh, do we have a quote for today? We do. It's a quote from C.S. Lewis, The Four Loves. He says, Friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. And what I like about this is, when we do this... We, we won't ever get to meet many of these subscribers, but they feel like friends. They're people that are with us on this journey, and we want to encourage them to write us. We want to respond to that and try to have as much of a relationship as we can because it's, friendship is one of the most important things. And it makes the journey so much more enjoyable. It does. It gives value to survival. So our drink today is Deceptivus, which is a bourbon, and it's finished in imported Portuguese port barrels. Mm. So it's... Uh, Double wooded. It smells different than what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. It actually doesn't smell like a peaty scotch or anything. I mean, it's very no, different. no, no, no. This, 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 this isn't this isn't of that line. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that's actually not super strong. No, it's, it's, I don't typically like a whole lot of bourbons. That's one I like. I like this a lot. Actually, I don't want to say it reminds me of Macallan Twelve, but the smoothness. <laughs> The way it feels on the throat. I really like it. Yeah, it's not too aggressive. And if the listeners are thinking that our voices sound particularly rich and full today... Yeah, that that the, the playing field between you and me has been leveled, finally. <laughs> uh, Matt and I, we each bought a Yeti microphone. So this was a little bit more expensive than the ones that we had. And I think the quality is so much better. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite impressed with this. So we've received... Feedback from people in a load of different ways. We have iTunes reviews, 
We've, people have commented on some of the posts and people have sent us multi-page emails uh, through the contact me or through Twitter. Which we accept them all, but the multi-page <laughs> emails are the best. Yes, definitely more fun. Uh, so uh, let's, uh, let's read a couple of our iTunes reviews. And actually, at the moment, we have 29 five-star ratings and five reviews. So if you would like to do something amazing, please rate us on iTunes. That bumps us up in the ratings. And if you are especially awesome, please write us a review. And we're not saying this because we want our ego boosted. Seriously, it's truly because of the algorithm of iTunes. The more <laughs> reviews, the more ratings, the more people we can reach. And, and, that, and that's at least 90% of the reason why we're asking for this. Yes, the growth in the ego is just pure bonus. Exactly. That's only 10% of it. And so here are a few of our favorite reviews, just in case you want to be inspired about some nice things you might like to say about us. This one says, you need this podcast in your life. Huge fan of this podcast. David and Matt break down Lewis's main points in a very simple yet profound way. Thanks for the opportunity to learn about this great author and his work. God bless. I like this next one. Subject line, simple, great podcast. And the review is, I really enjoy listening and learn a lot in the process. Matt and David have a casual convo with wit and humor. And I think it's David's accent that makes him sound so smart. (laughs) I like that because it's true. Knowing you, you're not actually that smart. Yeah. But it's the accent that really brings you up. It it really helps. (laughs) Uh, And this next one says, uh, I appreciate the easy listening and Matt and David's easy way of explaining Jack. I've loved everything I've read by C.S. Lewis, but I'm a bit intimidated by his work, and I avoid reading more. Can't wait to keep listening. It is interesting, actually. Only since we've been digging into this. When I first thought of C.S. Lewis and Mere Christianity, I didn't actually think... I didn't remember it being so deep Mm -hmm. and theologically and and, and rigorous. And now I've been rereading it. It actually is somewhat intimidating. Yeah. And this, this question of being intimidated by Lewis, for me, this is one of the main motivations for doing this podcast, to make people feel less intimidated by him, to give them a structure through which to, to read his works. And for people who've never tried listening to Lewis or maybe tried and gave up, it's the best thing when people say that, okay, I'm going back to him now and I'm really starting to get it and really starting to love it. Next up, we actually have somebody's blog where they mentioned us. And I got so excited about this. It was Meg Hunter Kilmer. If you don't know her, just Google Hobo for Christ. This girl's amazing. She basically, I think it's for at least five years, was just traveling around America, giving talks, giving retreats, and having no real home. Wherever she went, she would stay with a host family, give talks, and then move to another part of the country, rinse and repeat. On her 15 New Year's resolutions, we were number 13. We were with some other people, but she said, instead of listening to the top 40, try listening to some Audrey Assad or some Matt Marr. And instead of talk radio, check out some podcasts. And then she listed the Lanky Guys, phenomenal podcast. Uh, They go through the readings from uh, each week at Mass. Uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know and The Eagle and Child. She said, sanctify your commute and your time in the pickup line by infusing it with Christ. Yeah, I never knew who she was before you brought her up. I mean, she's essentially living like the 70 disciples that are sent out with Jesus. Stay at the home as long as you're welcome. <laughs> I wonder if she ever dusts her feet and walks off when they, they reject her. But Not that I know of. But uh, she also has a phenomenal podcast. Again, if you just look for Hobo for Christ on any of the podcast platforms, you'll get to hear some of her talks. And what's she like in real life? You met her. Oh, she's great. She's great. She really knows her stuff. And I've never met anybody that loves the lives of the saints more than she does. Wow. You name a saint, she can tell you the story of their life and why they're awesome. That's incredible. 
and she's actually currently writing a book at the moment, and I don't know how much more I'm allowed to say about that, but <laughs> it's going to be amazing. So what do we have next? So now we come to one of the longer emails that we had, and we'll end today's episode with this. This was from a lady called Giovanna. And we're going to do our best here to paraphrase this. Yeah, it was beautiful, every word of it, but we're just going to condense a little bit and uh, hit some of the highlights. It was. You almost, you're tempted to read the whole thing, <laughs> but we'll, we'll resist. Basically, she was raised Catholic and she continued through confirmation at age 15. But then, like many people, she then stopped going to church. She said that was for a few reasons. The first reason was that she was experiencing same-sex attraction. And while she said that her own church was fairly silent on the matter, there were other Christian denominations around her who were very vocally hateful. And she said they terrified her. And she felt unsafe around people of faith as a general rule. And she didn't know whether or not they wished her dead. But I'm glad to hear that it wasn't... Her church, which was the Catholic church, I mean, that's great to hear that she wasn't feeling at least condemned. She said silent, which is still not good. No. But better than condemning. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's also terrible that any church manages to scare somebody that much. Her her second point was, as she looked at Christian parents versus non-Christian parents, she was seeing the Christian parents being sheltering, abusive, shameful. Well, the non-Christian parents were pretty kind. And she, she admits that, of course, she has a small sample size. But overall, that, that turned her away from Christianity. But this is something that we do need to remember, that when we're out in the world, we are what people think of as Christianity, if we're the only people that they see. And this is why it's, it's so important as Christians. And you and I actually talk about this a lot, because we enjoy having theological conversations about what is truth. And it can be very tempting when you have these conversations to want to tell the other person they're wrong. <laughs> but that's why it says in Scripture... When you're, when you're having these conversations, I'm gonna, you're probably going to even know where this is. 1 Peter 3.15. Yeah, you always do. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to paraphrase this. How about you share it? Uh, he says, uh, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have within you, but do so with gentleness and reverence. Exactly, that gentleness and reverence. It puts me in mind of a story I tell in a talk that I give about evangelization. It's these uh, two men. One's a theist, one's an atheist. And they meet at a soccer match, and then they go for a drink at the pub afterwards. And the subject of religion comes up. And the theist asks the atheist why he doesn't believe in God. And the atheist says that it's because of all the terrible things that Christians have done and the Christians that he's known. And so the theist says, the recent riots that we had, do you blame the manager, the football manager, and and the team for the riots? And he said, no, of course not. They weren't involved. He said, yes, but the people doing that, they were wearing our strip. They were wearing our colors. But you don't hold the manager and the team responsible for that. He said he could sort of see his point. And anyway, a few years later, down the line, the atheist converts. And when he's asked why he converted, he says to his friend, you wear Jesus Christ very well. Mm, I like that. You wear Jesus Christ very well. And what was her final point? She said that going to church stopped being a family activity. And when that happened, when her parents no longer went, she lost her enthusiasm. Remember how Lewis talked about in one of his chapters... We have to cultivate our faith. Mm-hmm. And part of that is going to church on the weekends and, and, and participating in prayer and reading these materials that keep it at the forefront of our mind. More often than not, you don't, there's nothing here that says, I think God doesn't exist. You just, you fall away from the church. The slow fade. The slow fade. And it's also that cumulative approach that, we, that we've spoken about other times. Anyway, she then goes on and says that she didn't want to associate with Christianity anymore and became an atheist. Um, it was the hip thing to do. It was, yeah, she said it was the hip thing to do. We need to make Christianity cool again. We do. 
Or at least attractive enough. Doesn't have to be cool. I'm okay with it not being cool. Which is our goal with this podcast. Mm-hmm. And then she said, after about 10 years, I actually quote her at this point. She says, after about 10 years of this, I realized this wasn't helping me be a good person. I was suffering from anxiety and depression. And I grew up enough to realize that there was good and bad on all sides. But I couldn't do it alone, no matter what I believed. That last bit reminds me of when Lewis talks about the second kind of faith. When you try and be a good person, when you try and be humble, you try and live out the Christian virtues, do as you would be done by, and you fail. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to God and say, I can't do this. I need your help. That's so true. So she says that she went looking for a community to replace the Catholicism that she had lost. And this led her to a very dark place. Um, she had serious issues with her husband. They separated. They were heading for divorce. And she said, it was our association with a group of very modern progressive folks who were trying to do good things, but in the wrong ways. And that makes me think of Screwtape Letters, when Screwtape finds out that the patient has now been hanging around some very, very modern friends, and he realizes that this is a perfect opportunity to lead this person further away from God. I remember that chapter really well. And it's Satan just taking advantage of a very simple principle that's just in our human nature you become the average of the five people you spend the most of your time around Mm. and he knows that and she said this was devastating for their son and she was said she was lost and she turned and she always does to literature for comfort woman after my own heart (laughs) i'm reminded of something that john elridge wrote i think it was in wild at heart he says if you are to become wise hang out with wise people and they can either be living or they can be dead oh i like that I forgot he said that. And then she discusses, she was reading the screw tape letters. She started reading some other authors, Dr. Who, David. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah, very much. And, and, and honestly, I like how she puts her sweet little boy. And these things started to bring her back to it. And she started to find more joy. Her marriage became stronger. And she's celebrating her 11th anniversary now. Congratulations. I know, that's awesome. And then eventually she found us. It was C.S. Lewis. She moved to the Space Trilogy. And then after reading the Space Trilogy, she searched for C.S. Lewis podcasts in the iTunes Apple Store. And sure enough, she found our podcast, which is why we ask people to rate and give us reviews. It boosts that up. And then they can send amazing emails like this one. Exactly. The final sentence in one of these paragraphs is just beautiful. She says, I'm considering dipping my toes back into Christianity again, but it's terrifying and difficult. Your podcast and C.S. Lewis makes it much less scary. That's a really kind thing to say. We'll give most of that credit to C.S. Lewis. <laughs> like 99.9. And, and she brings this all together to, at one, she just wants to say thank you. She, she points out that she doesn't hear snarky, condescending tone. She finds that we're respectful and jovial, which I greatly appreciate. Because mm-hmm. uh, it can be tempting sometimes. Yeah. The, the jovial is definitely helped by good scotch. Oh, this is exactly right. And, and, and I love what she said. It was very kind. She goes, you are a rare presence in the world, which we greatly appreciate. I mean, that's one of the kindest things that could, she could say. And we, we are not perfect by any stretch of imagination. And I love that she actually says here, uh, the more you portray Christianity as it really is, as not conservative or liberal, but both and neither, the more it will attract all types of people. Mm. And this is something you and I have talked about, not just on the podcast, but generally mm. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Bishop Barron does it really well. You can you can see the faith being split into you know, the liberal camp seems to be more, I'm um, overly generalizing, compassion, mercy, love, grace. So, social justice. Social justice. And the conservative side is more just justice. Yeah. And he talks about how it's not zero sum. It's not like if you're raising the mercy, you're lowering the justice. If you're lowering the mercy, you're increasing the justice. They both 
need to be at an all-time high. We are called to an incredibly high standard in our faith from Christian teaching, but we're given an immense, an infinite amount of grace in, in mercy and forgiveness. And I always say, if, if you're annoying both sides, if both the left and the right are really irritated by what you say, chances are you're doing something right. <laughs> I like that. And she finishes this section just by pointing out that the biggest enemy to Christianity can be Christians themselves. And we need to be careful about that. And we ask for prayers all the time that we, we show it in a nice and a positive light. And that's our goal with this podcast. She then goes on and responds a little bit to our Christian marriage episode when we spoke about headship and about how the man is called to be the head and what that is and definitely what that isn't. And if you haven't heard that episode, go back so you don't get some wrong understandings <laughs> as we make these comments. Yeah, and she pushes back on it a little bit. Which I greatly appreciate. And actually, I agree with almost everything she says. Yeah, she basically speaks about how when men fail to live up to their calling, the women will often try and take that place to try and keep the family together and bring things up to a higher standard. And she lists a bunch of, and you can just pick a few of them here, but a bunch of disturbing statistics of marriage today. Yeah. In and men in general. Men in general. She says uh, 50 to 80% watch porn at least monthly. 75% of porn contains violence against women. 18% of men drink too much. 30% of women have experienced violence of some kind at the hands of men. And we're trusting, we should make a caveat here. We haven't cited, we haven't sourced these statistics. We're not sure where they're coming from. But I would say from my personal experience, even that porn one is probably quite low. Yeah, there, there, are, there are some of them. I'm surprised it's not a little higher. Uh-huh. And she says that through men failing, they then often turn to these things all the more to try and numb their pain. And, and I like how she, she asks the question, does any of this describe the kind of person you would personally follow? Does this describe the kind of person that would you would make yourself vulnerable to in the form of sub submission? Do these men sound like people you would trust to parent your children in the future? And she talks about her husband who, after their, they, after their separation and as he got into his mid-30s, he turned his life around and is going back and, and got a degree and is, is getting his life in order. And she's just, it said it's incredible for their marriage and their relationship. And that's awesome to hear. This is why there's the Jordan Peterson phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think I think you're right. Men need to hear this. This is wild at heart. This is John yeah. Eldridge's whole thing. And I'd give another one uh, into the breach. Uh, hmm. Bishop Olmsted from Arizona. He's got this uh, document that he put out, and it's now become like a series of conferences. I've I've taught on it a bunch, but in it he presents a vision of manhood. I think one of the real problems here is that men don't know what they're called to be. I know this was definitely true of me in my early 20s. I had no idea what it meant to be a man. What was I being called to? What was expected of me? What was I capable of? Because on the one hand, I had people telling me that I shouldn't be this patriarchal, old-fashioned guy. And on the other hand, I had people decrying men not stepping up and not taking charge. And I just didn't know what I was meant to do. I think all this comes down to narrative. We've lost the narrative of what is true masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I realized this through Wild at Heart's book. Due to the rise of media, I, 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 Hollywood, social media, all of the, these influences, the internet, have created this, this image of masculinity. And this is just my own personal view. But you know, masculinity is you're tall, dark, handsome, and emotionally detached. Check, 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 and check. I mean, that's, it's literally, it's James Bond. I mean, mm -hmm. You're emotionally detached. And well, it's actually funny that you mentioned James Bond in Into the Breach. Bishop Olmsted goes after him 
And he said, it is a great irony that someone called James Bond has no bonds. He has no mm. relationships. Yeah. Women are things that he uses and then discards. But then Wild at Heart painted this whole other picture of what's true masculinity. And it's this man that, it, it's, it's a man that is completely virtuous. It's a man that uh, is full of integrity. It's a man that knows how to lead. It's, it's a man that can be vulnerable. A man that's okay being hurt but is brave enough to be vulnerable in life. And, and vulnerable is the opposite of emotional detachment. Mm-hmm. And so I think, it's an, it's a, a, I think it's an issue of narrative. As, as men, we don't know what masculinity is. We need to be, understand what true masculinity is. And hold up true examples of masculinity. That's a perfect example. That's the road to character David Brooks. He wants to give great... It's not a masculinity, but it's this idea of we need better heroes. Yeah, better examples in our lives, and it's it's not just for the men. The women have been are being told a very confusing, similar narrative. Also, there's there's this great push that you need to be completely independent, and you need to be able to take care of yourself, and you need to be don't need a man. You don't need a man, and and it's all ultimately like taking away vulnerability. Yeah, more it's or it's less. it's taking a truth and twisting it so much that it makes people incapable of being vulnerable with each other. And I like that you said that because I don't want a listener to think these are bad things. No. It's a twisted truth. There's truth in all of that. We're not trying to say you need to become the opposite of that, uh, but it's just being taken to an extreme here. And what's happening though, so I, I would almost argue, I might get my head chopped off for this, but it's not a masculinity, femininity thing. The culture is just shaping people, whether they're men or women, into this lack of vulnerable, individualistic, take care of your, yourself, complete independence. And what's happening is we're getting a broken marriages. Mm-hmm. People who aren't good at taking care of others or being responsible. Because if you're individualistic, how are you going to be responsible to someone else? Yeah. And so the solution is what we've said all along. It's, it's, this, it's what Christianity says. This complete self-giving, this complete self-emptying, which is nothing more than vulnerability. Giving yourself to the other, both man and women. Completely both ways. The yeah. same way Jesus not, not, gives... Not, not each 50-50. Each 100-100. Yes. The same way Jesus did with the church. Wow. That was that, that was a deep email. <laughs> uh, that's why I love re- re- receiving these. Because it, it gives us a chance to have more of an off-the-cusp conversation about some of these topics. Yeah. And hopefully, <laughs> when we do that, we don't say anything too bad. Because we're not... We're not following any sort of ideas here. Yes, we're we're a little further away from Lewis at that point. So we'd like to thank everyone for your emails and comments. Uh, I think we'll do another one of these mailbag episodes next week, just to cover a few more of the wonderful iTunes reviews that we've had. And we've also had one email that was a little bit more critical of us. I'm excited for that one. As always, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram... Please write us a lovely iTunes review, or at least rate us. And until next time, further up and further in. Cheers.